Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Jimmy, thank you for the songs. Haven't sung the, was it 727 for a while? And then the old hymn we just sang there. Just thinking about, of course we'll be talking a little bit about that in our lesson this morning, how sad it would be if we are busy with other things and we don't see the ones who are looking for the help they need. That's our task as Christians serve others, to be like the Son of God, to be like our Master. We're going to talk about love this morning, use very old, familiar scripture, one of the great ones that you'll be recognizing if you haven't recognized it already in the uh, little handout. The world has some very weird and twisted views of love, of the definition of love. And we have to be careful that we as Christians don't adopt those same views and ideas and definitions of love. Uh, we throw that word around so carelessly. You know, I love your outfit. I'm not talking to any of you ladies in particular here this morning. but I love your outfit. I love to cook, I love to fish, right? I love to binge watch my favorite TV show. You know, this is not really the idea of biblical love. And then there's this one commercial, you might have seen it, where you get your bathroom redone and you get your new tub and the lady says, now I have a tub that I can love. Seriously? You love your tub? And then, of course, then there's those throwaway words that sometimes we use them uh, when we're in, in difficult situations. But, honey, I really do love you, right? Now, maybe you really do mean that, but you know, after what you've just done, you didn't really demonstrate that you really did love her. They're just words. Scriptures tell us that God is love. But what he does is always motivated by his love. Even his wrath against sin is motivation to move those people back to him. Back to him because he loves them. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. What does it mean to love? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. I'm not going to go there. You can read that. We've been there many times tells us about love, the need for love, and what love is like. The Holy Spirit plays a large part in love. The fruit of the Spirit, the first part of that fruit, and it's one fruit with many aspects, is love, right? Love, joy, peace. And then our first scripture we have there, Romans 5 and 5. God, they're talking about uh, the tribulations, they come, and of course Paul is arguing here about uh, we're saved by faith and not by our own works. And all this 
Uh, I'll read, I'm going to read 5.1 in Romans. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the faith brings the grace in which we stand, the favor of God, because we are in Christ. Tribulations, perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Verse 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is how the love of God gets into our hearts and we begin to comprehend as Paul prayed in Ephesians that we would come to understand the length and breadth and height and width and to know the depth of the love of God which passes knowledge. We need supernatural help to understand the love of God. We really do. Because it is so deep and so wonderful and we just gasp at it and wonder how could God do that? How could Jesus say when he's being crucified, Father, forgive them. We read the words. We say, yes, that's what he said. But trying to comprehend that kind of love, you know, that's just kind of beyond us, isn't it? Until we come in contact with Christ himself and the Spirit of God and go deep into his word to really know the Christ. Let's go to Luke 10. Jesus has given us one of the greatest lessons on love ever, and it's one of the ones, as I said, that is most familiar to us, even from being in our Bible classes as little children. We call it the Good Samaritan. Of course, that label is put in there by, if that's in your Bible, nowhere in the parable did Jesus call the Samaritan good. You know that? That's a label a man put on it. He could rather better be called the compassionate Samaritan or the loving Samaritan. It's so rich in detail, in truths, in meaning. Every time I read and study this, I get new insights. And that's the way it should be with Scripture. There's so much there. And as we go through this and talk about love, and as you see, as I styled the lesson, being a neighbor, we're going to see the four types of people there are in the world. It's very much like the parable of the sower. The different soils, every one of us are one of the soils in this parable, every one of us are one of the four types of people. You're in here. I'm in here. So, you know, Jesus, is, he's, the te he's the teacher, he's, he's all wise. We just have to bow down and humble ourselves before him. So let's start in Luke 10 and 25. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Man was, would have been a, an expert in the law of Moses, perhaps a scribe even. And uh, 
Of course, the question is correct. That's a question every one of us should ask. Every person should be asking. What should I do to inherit eternal life? It's a good question. As we see, as, it, as Luke uh, records it for us, it was not asked for the right reason, was it? It was asked in order to put him to the test. Let's just see what this Jesus is going to say about eternal life. You know, I'm a scribe here. I'm a lawyer. I know the law. I know what's in that law. And so let's just see if this rabbi, this young rabbi here, knows what he's talking about. That's what this lawyer is up to here. The question remains, did he really want the answer? You know, when you just ask someone to put him to the test, it's, you already have the answer in your heart, don't you, generally? You already know what that answer is. At least you think you know what the answer is. And so you don't, you know, you're just wanting to see what's he going to say. When we ask Jesus this question, I don't know if you ever thought about it. You ever ask him this question? No matter where you are in life, whether you are in Christ or out of Christ, you ever ask him that question? What do I need to do or what do I still need to do? Are you really ready for his answer? At any cost, no matter what he says, that you'll do it? We need to think about that. So many of us want our salvation and eternal life on our terms. I'm comfortable where I am and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And don't ask me to do this or that. I'm okay. That's not asking the question for the right reason. Verse 26. And he said to him, what is written in the law? Does it read to you? And naturally, he discerned he was a lawyer, so, well, you, you know the law. What's, what's in there? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Once again, there is the response of Jesus to all of us, which we as Christians, especially mature Christians, who've been disciples for years, we should be able to go into his book and find the answer. What is written in my word? What's there? Read it. Study it. Find it. We're not going to get any answers to these life's questions that are outside of Scripture. It's not going to happen. They've been given to us by God in His Word. The lawyer knew the answer. He was well trained. He understood 
Uh, you know, he went to Deuteronomy there, and then Leviticus. I'm not going to go there. You can look those up. And it's interesting, again, that this was not part of the Ten Commandments, was it? It's not part of the Ten. It's not about, if you will, keeping those laws or rules. It's about love. To love the Lord your God, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he commends him for the correct answer. Yeah, that, that's right. You know, Jesus is, he's fair, all right, even though he understands this is a test. He's fair. He says, yeah, that's right. And then he challenges him. Like he challenges all of us with the difficult part. Do this and you will live. That's the hard part, isn't it? Well, for some of us, it's hard to look in the book because we we're not students of the book. But when we find the answer, and you know, I'm, I'm putting myself in that category... Doing it is much harder than knowing what to do, isn't it? Sometimes it could be very difficult. We tend to take the easy way. So it says, do this and you will live. And he's right. It's the essence of the law, and it's still for us today. God is love, and we're called to love one another and love God. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, now we find out that the lawyer really has the knowledge, but not the heart. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? It's important for us to understand what he's saying here. He does, doesn't want to go out and be a lover and to love people, all right? He wants to know, all right, what are the limitations here? Okay? Just tell me who my neighbor is so I can love them, all right? I can check that box and I'll be good and I'll look good to God and I'll look good to my to my fellow uh, friends and neighbors. He wanted a rule to follow, and he didn't want to be changed on the inside to be like God and just know to love people. That's why he's wanting to justify himself in his own life, to make himself look good. Well, as always... Jesus answers the best way, whether it's a straightforward answer. Here he, he tells this marvelous parable, multifaceted. And it's a great, you know, we, sometimes we want the visual thing. One of the reasons Jesus uses parables is because we can visualize them in our head and it's easy to remember. We can bring that back very easily, that picture you know, we're going to see this man going down the road and he gets accosted by thieves and so forth. It's easy to remember the story, isn't it? It's much easier to remember the story than to memorize a couple verses of Scripture that tell you about doctrine. Not that that might not be profitable, but it's so easy to remember. And then it's easy to recall it 
And then guess what? To tell it to somebody else. This is love. You tell this parable again to somebody. Jesus told it. We can tell it. Verse 30. Jesus replied and said, remember, this is the reply to the question of, and who is my neighbor? Okay. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Traveling that road, as I understand, reading the commentaries and all, that was a dangerous road to travel from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, It was hilly. You're going down, and that that is really a a good representation. It was traveling down uh, down the road to Jericho. And uh, so it was a, a dangerous place to travel. And we see here in this verse two of the types of people in the world. The first one is the oppressed. That's the man who was accosted by the thieves. He represents the oppressed of the world. He represents your neighbor. And we could go on for a long time talking about those who are oppressed. Physically, beaten as this man was, robbed, and then we could go on with a lot of other things, even that we read too much, even in our newspapers and see on TV, raped, kidnapped, starved, trafficked for sex, and on and on. Abused people, oppressed. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. There are those, I call them situational. They're homeless, jobless, the aged, those in prison, those who live alone, often very oppressed. Struggling. Satan has them down. The world has them down. That's where the world wants them. There's those with emotional and mental problems. They live in fear all the time. They're depressed. Verbally abused, neglected and ignored by family and friends. They're everywhere. And then, you know, you can add, you could add several categories. The addicted to alcohol, tobacco, opioids, pornography. They're oppressed. They're trapped. What we don't want to do with this parable is turn this into a discussion on If I see somebody broke down on Interstate 70, should I stop and help them? That's not what this is about, and some people tend to make this parable into that, but it's not. This is about when we have opportunity to help someone, to come.
comes into our life, no matter what it is. We never know when that might be. It might be the person that's living two houses down from you, and you have never talked to them in your life. But you probably should make yourself known to them. So, we have the oppressed, those in need. Of course, we didn't even mention the lost, did we? Those without Christ. That's the worst category to be in, isn't it? Because you might be in some of these other situations. If you have Christ, you have salvation, and you have hope, still have hope, don't you? You have a future. Even if it's not in this world, as we would say, you still have hope. We need to see those folks as well as being oppressed. And then the second type, often overlooked when we talk about this parable, are the robbers. They're the oppressors. The servants of Satan doing wickedness and evil and using people. Sometimes like this, with physical force, and sometimes very subtly and quietly working their evil. Becoming very prevalent today, as we see. Boldly, boldly taking advantage of people. They need our prayers. Maybe you might run into an oppressor. Try to correct them. They need help, too. So we have the oppressed and the oppressor. I pray to God that you are not an oppressor of any kind, even in your own family. Sometimes we can do that. We can hurt those we love. Anyway, moving on, verse 31. So there's the situation. This man is in bad shape, left for it half dead, laying by the side of the road. By chance a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. He was certainly going down the road, the same road that the man went down, but this may be an indication here. We're talking about a priest and a Levite. They had been in Jerusalem... And they had been at the temple performing their temple services. And they were on the way home. They had just been there serving their religious duties. These two represent what I call the non-lovers. If they are God-professing, and it appears they are, but not every person in the world is a God professor, a God believer, they are hypocrites. They're hypocrites. They had a religion, but they themselves were loveless. They did not love this man, did they? They 
kind of peeked over the hill and, oh, he's a, he's a neat boy. He's in bad shape. See ya. Right? Read about that in 1 John 3. Not to love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. They didn't know God nor the love of God. They had no interchange of heart. But they were very religious. Oh, yes, they were. And they were high up in their religion. Non-lovers. They didn't know what the word meant. In verse 33, But a Samaritan, and how this must have rankled and hurt, those who heard this, the despised Samaritan, those with whom the Jews had no dealings. And Jesus puts him right in there. I love it. We should love it. A Samaritan who was on a journey. He's on a journey. He's out going somewhere. Doesn't say how far, but he's, he's going somewhere. Came upon him. And when he saw him, he, had comp- he felt compassion and came to him bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him, him on his own beast, brought him to the inn, took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Here is the lover. says he felt compassion. Wow. Are we a compassionate people? Are you a compassionate person for those who are oppressed? Starts, it starts with that feeling, that understanding this person is in need, this person's in pain, this person's in trouble, this person needs help. I'm sure that the priest and Levite saw that this man needed help. But they had no compassion. None whatsoever. Knowledge, no compassion. It doesn't even mention if this man had a religion. Beside the point. He felt compassion and he did something. Just like Jesus challenged a lawyer, said, you know what's written in the law. Yeah, well, do this and you will live. So this man saw the need and he did something. He didn't know, as we would say, this man from Adam, right? He was not his brother or his cousin or his neighbor from down the street or even somebody he recognized that he saw on TV. He didn't even know who he was. It didn't matter. The man was in need. And this Samaritan had the right heart. To me, it represents, as Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, second mile service. Second mile. What he did there, he stopped, he bandaged, he took care of, you know, with the oil and wine, the 
the healing and the antiseptic, you know, we can talk about all that. Sometimes we get lost in those details. Then he takes him to the end, and he gives two denarii, two days' worth of wages, and he hears, take care of him, and I'll come back. I will come back and see how he's doing, and whatever else I owe you, I'll, I'll pay you. Wow. What a heart this man had. What a heart. Verse 36. So now Jesus has told his little story. You know, it's, it's just so, so short, so few verses, but wow, so much is packed into there. He's the master teacher, and that's the way all of Scripture is. If we'll just take the time to read it and dig into it, so much is there. So then he gets to say, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Notice, Jesus' question does not provide the answer to the lawyer's question because the lawyer said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is reframing the whole thing because that is not the right question to ask. The right question to ask is, are you a neighbor? Are you a lover? Do you understand what that means to love your neighbor as yourself? And are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do it? Do you have the heart to do it? So he's got him in a box. Jesus often had his detractors in a box. What's he going to say? What's he going to answer? Who proved to be a neighbor? It certainly weren't the robbers. It wasn't the priest and it wasn't the Levite, was it? He doesn't have much choice. And you can see that. And he says, and he said, the one who showed mercy to him. He has to say it. Yeah, I guess. That's the one. So then what does Jesus say? Again, go and do likewise. Be a lover. Be a neighbor. That's what it means to be a neighbor. And to love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have the heart... And if you're not a lover, you won't be a doer. Just kind of the bottom line. I, I can't say that any other way. I don't say that to be nasty or harsh. But that's what Jesus is teaching. That's the, the meaning of the scripture from Deuteronomy and, Deuteronomy and Leviticus. That's the meaning of the parable. If you're not compassionate, if you don't have the heart to love... You will not love. You will not do what needs to be done when you run into someone in need. So each one of us must look at ourselves in the context of the parable and in the context of our lives and say, where am I? Where am I? Am I an oppressor? 
Maybe you're oppressed right now and you need help. Are you a non-lover? You got a little bit of religion, but you're not just really ready to give yourself to Jesus and uh, really do what he says? Or maybe you are a Samaritan. Maybe you are a lover, and you've done this, and you know and feel and understand that love that the Holy Spirit has shed into your heart to be at peace, to, to acknowledge and, and to feel that compassion and, and the goodness that comes from helping those in need. And you recognize that it's not about what I want. It's not about my, my safety or, or, or my amassing wealth or, or my looking good. But it's just about me trying to be like Jesus. We read in the scripture that he went about doing good. He went about doing good. We close out. If you want to respond to this Jesus this morning who told this story, you know, uh, the grace he offered wasn't free. Just like we read in this story here. You know, love the Lord your God. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, it's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more than that. It's about giving yourself to Christ and letting him use you in his service and not being afraid to do that. Last week we studied, come to me, all you are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. This is Jesus, but we have to do it. We have to do it to serve him. If you never obeyed the gospel and be baptized into Christ, we can help you do that and begin your journey. If you are a Christian and you find yourself, as we look into this parable of being too many times a non-lover, you really do need to change, to repent, and let the Holy Spirit flood your heart with the love of God to be changed into his image. If you want prayer this morning, we can pray for you. If you want to rededicate your life. As we always say, if you hesitate to come forward, we can talk to you personally at any time. If you want to respond this morning, please come while Brother Jim leads us.